everyone. Thank you for joining us for this special edition of Trends Talk. These are the questions that we did not get to stemming from our November 17th. The results are in webinar. I'm joined today by my brother, Alan Bolio, and together we're going to tag team these questions and um, show you by doing so, well, we really appreciate you asking questions and taking the time out of your busy lives to join us at the webinar. And thank you for doing so. We hope you found it valuable. Uh, we can tell from these questions that there's uh, you know, lingering concern, at least at that time, about the taxes and the election and what it all means. So we're going to do our best, but please keep in mind that neither Brian and I are practicing uh, um, CPAs. We are not tax experts. We're just going to do our best here today to answer your questions, but refer to your tax attorney or tax CPA for specific answers, please. Absolutely. And not only are we not practicing, I, I don't need, I can't even play one on TV. I mean, it's just not out of my DNA. So um, seeking expert advice is uh, very good advice, Alan. Yes. So we're going to start with, uh, I've been told Social Security is lumped into the general fund and is used for other government spending needs. That is true, by the way. The government borrows from the Social Security lockbox as it's thought of to spend elsewhere and it writes itself an IOU. How does that affect the social security fund? Well, it depletes the fund in terms of the actual dollars. It doesn't deplete it from an accounting sense because it swapped out cash for another asset that IOU, but it really uh, makes the, um, the lockbox itself uh, empty sooner. It's just going to limp on by using these IOUs as assets. Is that you, right? you, I'm go sorry. ahead, Alan. I was just going to say, if I remember right, uh, if it's not short of cash now on an annual basis, it will be very soon. And you're right, the, the government just has to uh, pay the IOUs as they go in, in order for the uh, Social Security Fund to be able to send checks out to people. Right. And, and if you bring that out, that's one of the inherent dangers uh, because you don't want the and the, the, the notes came from uh, the Federal Reserve, right? So you don't want the treasury to just start printing money to cover these notes. Um, that would just make any future inflationary pressures that much more egregious. Yes, certainly would. Next question, if you don't mind. I'll read it to you. Will the Biden plan, tax plan, hit pass through a sub S corporations or uh, just stick to payroll only? Yeah, well, again, we're not the tax professionals, but from my reading and our reading, it certainly seems that way. Um, and that would be true for sole proprietorships and probably LLCs and such too. So it does create a, a difference between C-Corps and sub-S, where the sub-S uh, firms can pay a higher effective rate. Now, that's not unusual. That's been the case uh, a number of years under different administrations. Um, sometimes I try to rectify that. Overall, you kind of get the feeling that Congress doesn't think of the uh, sole proprietorship and sub-S corporation. They deal with uh, individuals and C-corps and kind of forget mm -hmm. the others. Uh, it does have an impact. We talked about that at our webinar where it means that some individuals are going to have less cash because they're going to be, in theory, handing over hundreds of thousands of dollars more, tens of thousands of dollars more to the federal government at tax time which means the money's not there for reinvestment in whatever area we talked about a number, or for handing out raises or hiring additional people, which is why some people who analyzed the Biden tax plan said, this does have an impact on wage increases in the future because businesses, like what we're talking about, would have less cash 
in order to share with individuals uh, as they go down the road. So it's not an immediate impact, but it is cumulative and it will be felt. And, and I don't know if you recall, Alan, there, there were times we saw in that matrix that a uh, Democrat administration during that period, you see less earned income ascent at times than you would under Republicans. And that could be the uh, mechanism by which it happens. Yeah, very good. Yes, sir. I mean, uh, next question. Pardon me? Let me read your question to you. Sure, that'd be nice. What would you expect raising corporate rates means to the U.S. dollar valuation? Curious minds want to know. <laughs> it is, and me too. Uh, we haven't gotten to that part of the research yet, uh, so I, I don't like to go into the research with an expectation. You know, the, the exchange rate is so much uh, more than just interest rate or tax rate differentials. It has to do with emotions. It has to do with expectations over the long term. So what I'm going to do along with you, Alan, is we're going to try and figure that out because we think we know what the trend is for the 2020s. So it's within that context that I want to see if that puts any pressure one way or the other on the USD. I don't think it's going to for any given, well, in May for, you know, a month or something, but it, over a six month period of time, there's probably gonna be other factors blowing it, but I wanna know if there's a longer term pervasiveness or pressure being brought to bear on the USD. We're gonna answer that question in our December webinar. Couldn't agree with you more on all of that. And while we're on the subject of the dollar, may I ask you another question that came in? Sure. How serious is the competition from Chinese currency to dominate US dollar as world currency? Well, they take it very seriously, and certainly it's noteworthy that you see uh, about 10% of oil, oil contracts uh, now being written in the Chinese currency. Um, and if, if nationalism continues and we vacate the Middle East, China is going to go in there uh, in that vacuum of power, and that will bolster uh, their credibility and uh, their currencies. But And I try not to do this with blinders on, Alan, as you know. Um, their economy just is no match for ours. So they're already a world currency as we are, and one of the world reserve currencies. But we're still by far and away the number one currency. Uh, and that's been true whether the USD is strengthening or weakening. And with us becoming such an important oil and natural gas center for the world, that also argues against uh, the winds going too far in the Chinese direction in terms of their currency. I agree. And would you think and agree also that trust has a certain uh, instability, has a certain weighting in through there too, as far as a dominant uh, currency? Yes, I, w I would agree with that. And I think Here's a question uh, for you. Okay. Where do you see the Biden administration spending the government revenue from tax increases? I think we're going to see uh, the administration spending money in, in climate change. And, and battling climate change, renewable energy, uh, everything, as, as we mentioned in the webinar, everything will be tilted in that direction. And as we saw in the news today, John Kerry is the new climate czar, or will be when uh, President-elect Biden assumes office. And you know he's setting up to do this in a big way, do it seriously. So I think any additional revenue, as if there's additional revenue, but certainly spending will be tilted uh, in, in that direction, which means as we talked about before, we're not going to look for any paying down of the national debt, and we're not going to look for a quick flip to balance budget anytime in the near term. Hmm. Couldn't agree with you more. 
Uh, we were talking about uh, this next question, Alan, um, but I'll read it. The rate of tax for pass-through small businesses is probably at least um, 35%. And I assume that's probably an effective rate, roughly 9% higher than C-Corps. I assume that's nine percentage points higher than C-Corps. Is this a problem? It certainly seems inequitable. Well, if you're the one paying the tax, it certainly feels inequitable too. Uh, that's a, we did mention it before. Is it a problem? Well, it's, it's a problem to the individual, but it's not a problem in aggregate. We've been there before. The economy has grown. The economy has contracted, but it's not an inhibitor to growth. Uh, in, in, as we look at history, it just feels like more of a burden in a certain part of the, of the population. It is not easy to switch from sub S to C because you know you can't go back again. If I remember the which way this that one swings, Brian, which way the door swings on that. But it is an option that people have when they set up businesses. There are options to C. One of the options for C is lower taxes. There are other options for being a sub S. So you kind of choose that, knowing uh, which way the door swings and making your plans accordingly. Yeah, I remember going through that rather laborious uh, exercise, and the only thing you can hope is that they don't change the laws on you or make it grandfathered back to, so that you made a bad decision. But we all had those calcs to run. Another yeah. question was, how can the effective increase in tax rate not have a significant impact on the economic forecast? Well, as as you know, and we'll go through, we had a pretty gradual increase coming up here. It's not a sharp V all the way to the peak. And so the, the, the gradual decline speaks well to the uh, impact that some tax increase may have, if there is a tax increase, with the Republicans perhaps holding the Senate. We, that's not even a given at this point that we're going to see this tax increase. And if it does happen, uh, it would not surprise us, and neither would it necessarily cause us to redo the forecast uh, at this time. I think that's very key, Alan, that we, it's, it's not a given that there's going to be a tax increase. Uh, we really need to see which way the Senate goes because or through Georgia. And on the other side, we could argue we also don't know if there's going to be another massive stimulus bill um, eventually coming out of the, out of the government, um, which could be a wash, right? This, we tried to make the point in the webinar Macro is one thing. Who are the individual winners and losers beneath the macro? It, you know, at the micro level, is a totally different uh, story. And there always are winners and losers. Absolutely. And PPP2 uh, can certainly make a big difference as we go forward. Uh, so another question here is um, relative, related to, excuse me, Africa. Uh, where is Africa, Africa currently? Uh, you know, I, I don't know where their emissions are because that's the second half of the question. I would just ask that uh, questioner to go to the source that's on the slide, which is BP, Statistical Review of World Energy, Carbon Dioxide Emissions. So BP, Statistical Review of Energy, uh, Carbon Dioxide Emissions, and you can probably find Africa there. I'm going to take the, this next one. When do you think is the best time to start deploying cash into the energy sector? Are we there yet? Uh, we could very well be there. Uh, within our optimizer model, we do not include the energy sector. We haven't found it to be efficacious in that regard. It didn't add um, any alpha to our efforts. But that doesn't mean that uh, individual stocks or someone who can time 
the market um, through some innate ability uh, wouldn't be able to do well. Don't mean to uh, say that you can't. Our advice is reach out to Clark Bellin of Bellwether Wealth. He's our wealth management guru. And uh, he has no aversion to uh, that sector. And he'll be glad to talk you through um, the different decision points in, in that regard. But we're not the right person for that. No, and you can send either one of us an email, brian at itreconomics.com or alan at, and uh, we'll handshake you over to Clark if you're not already talking yeah. to him. Good point. Uh, I'm gonna read uh, this last question to you. Could a long-term long shift be in play where consumers reallocate their budgets toward more physical goods, bikes, boats, second homes, and away from travel and tourism? Well, the key there is long-term. If you mean 21 and 22, 2021 and 2022, uh, I would agree. If you mean in the long-term, like leading into the second half of this decade, uh, I don't think we're looking at a permanent cultural shift. I mean, it certainly got a boost and people that bought these uh, bigger uh, fun assets aren't all of a sudden gonna give them up, but I wouldn't count out travel and the uh, hospitality industry when we go longer term. It just seems to be part of who we are. We enjoy those experiences, something new and something fun. I totally agree. Uh, for 21, 22, it wouldn't give you much more than a plug nickel for uh, a great deal of ROI in the latter space. But come 23, if there really is a ubiquitous vaccine that is effective, um, and I know there are still naysayers out there, um, it could be a totally different story by then. Yes, certainly could. And with uh, three now being credible sources, we may get the volume that we need in terms of vaccines uh, out there to the population of the world. It'd be fun. Terrific. And wouldn't that be a great day? Yes, it would. Well, I think we're done here, Brian. We are done, Alan. And I wish you all a great day. Hope that you found this helpful. Please Thank you for touch. joining us and see you next time. Yes. Thank you. <laughs>